Welcome to Quilt and Tell, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Daddick. Hello, everyone. September is Studio Month at Quilting Daily. So we are going to be talking about our own spaces, things we have learned about those spaces, what we like and don't like. Um, In our open studio segment, we decided to have quilt designer, author, and a regular in the pages of our magazines, Nancy Mahoney, join us. She has the most beautiful studio, and she is going to share some tips about setting up your own space. In our Fine Finishes segment today, we are going to be talking about dream studios, so stay tuned. Hello, ladies. Hi, Tracy. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Doing good. Yeah, I was going to say, we're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's September. I feel like I blinked and August was just gone. (laughs) (laughs) So true. My gosh. Where has 2020 gone? Uh, not not fast enough. Right, <laughs> kind of true, kind of true. Yeah, I mean, I'm just a little bit afraid that 2021 is going to be worse. I know. I said that the other day. I was like, oh my, my fear is that this is just not going to stop. Like we all are living in this bubble. Like, oh, once 2020 is done, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not buying a planner yet. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Ditto. Not doing it. Not doing it. Oh. All right, so. So I'm really excited because we've got Nancy Mahoney joining us. Um, a, I guess over a year ago, I think, I did a profile on her in Quiltmaker, and we shared some gorgeous pictures of her studio. So when I knew it was studio month and needed to plan someone, she was the first person who popped in my head. Um, I know, I know Lori and I have talked about this before because really it's, it's like a dream studio. When you say, Lori? Oh, absolutely. It's marvelous. So I thought we could talk a little bit about, you know, what we think about our studio spaces, what we what works, what doesn't work, um, you know, what space or lack of space we have, you know, because I feel like we're all in sort of different places. So since you have a studio, Lori, why don't you go first and talk about like your space and how, and how it works for you? That's right. Rub it in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now you're going to make me feel bad because no. I'm still going to grumble a little bit. Um, oh, we actually, we'll, get out, we'll get out that tiny violin. We'll be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, Lori. Yeah. <laughs> we actually bought this house so I would have room for a long arm. I didn't have one before and I wanted one. So we (laughs) bought this house in order for me to have a sewing studio big enough to put the frame of a long arm in. And um, it works. However, I'd really like it a whole lot better if it was another foot or two wider. Mm. Um, There's just always more stuff. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I do have my long arm. I have the space underneath it where I have some of my fabric and it's out of the way because it's under the frame of the long arm. I have a, a very nice closet 
that has lots and lots of my fabric and uh, patterns and that sort of stuff sewn in it. I have pegboard on two of the walls so I can hang things. Um, have a great design wall. Um, you have a great design wall. You should describe I, that. Okay. Oh, yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At our previous home, I just had um, flannel sheets hung on the wall with push pins. Mm -hmm. And I wanted something better. We went to one of the big Home Depot, Lowe's kind of stores and purchased what is meant to be a roll-out awning for your porch or your patio. It's probably 12 feet wide, and it rolls down clear to the floor. Mm, we mounted brilliant. it up at the very Ugh. top of the wall so I can uh, roll it up and let it down when I want to use it, mm -hmm. roll it up when I'm done. Um, I attached that same flannel sheet to the bottom of it so I don't have to pin to the awning, but it's got the roll-up feature, which I just love. It really works well. That yeah, is and brilliant. I know we've we've talked about it before, but you can just not talk about that enough. That is just just the it's brilliant. It is. It's, it's a so really brilliant. good idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those times where we went to I, I don't remember. Like I said, either Home Depot or Lowe's, and started talking to the lady that worked there. Told her what I wanted, and she's the one that suggested it. Oh, I'm just genius. like, oh man, you're brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, and it's just so funny because you did have the luxury of moving into a house being a quilter. I, when I first moved to my house, I'd, I'd never sewn, never quilted, or anything. If I was house hunting now, I'd look for a completely different place. <laughs> oh, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I downsized. So I've had mm -hmm. multiple studios over the years um, from my just on my kitchen table to, you know, um, having a really big room. I took over the living room in one house. Mm -hmm. I took over the basement in another. Mm -hmm. um, and so now I, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting things where I need them to be. Um, I, they're still all over the place, but I have a list of where I've strode things so that I know oh, that, you know, ooh, certain things. Smart. Yeah. Good when idea. We, yeah, yeah. When we moved here, I, because I knew I had, I still had so much stuff, um, so many, so many supplies and different fabrics that I knew that it probably would behoove me to mm. keep a list. Um, I've got certain things under my bed that are stowed in bins and the bed is a platform bed. And so I have to take the bed apart essentially to get to those things. Um, but there are things that, you know, I rarely need. So I have a list of all of the things that are under there. Some of those things are, you know, polar fleece fabric that I might not mm -hmm. use very often. Um, um, different craft supplies that I only need once in a blue moon. And um, other than that, I've got, you know, I've got one shelving unit that's just for fabric. Um, well, actually, that's incorrect. Two, st 
fabric and some of my fabrics in the garage on shelves there but I've got one bookcase for fabric that I can see that's like all of my pre-cuts and then I've got all the loose stuff and like special collections like I've got all of my tulip pink in a bin um, I've got one of those shelving units that has the little cube fabric cubes that you can pull out. And mm-hmm. one of those cubes is just all tulip pink. And, um, some of them are like n- just novelty prints or Halloween. And, um, and then I've got another chest where I've got all of my clear bins where I've got projects. And so that's what, that what that's what works for me. What about you, Ginger? Well, I, I, this pandemic has really kind of like crashed my space big time because I had a desk that was, I, I just, all my stuff is in my bedroom because we only have like a little three bedroom townhouse and my husband is a um, snowboard, uh, he sells snowboards and stuff. So he had already claimed the extra bedroom mm. for his stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm uh, really trying to buddy up with him right now and be like, so <laughs> can you spare a little space? You know, that type of thing. <laughs> and I think mainly it's because I, he's like living on top of my quilt stuff right now so my plan is working i was like all right if i keep like nudging more of my quilting onto his yes. side eventually he's gonna have to give me space so but uh so yeah so the desk that i have in my room was like i had my sewing machine on there and i really had a lot of my supplies and a lot of my stuff up there and um now I've kind of turned that into my work area where I have my desk and my monitors and stuff. So yet another reason why I'm ready for this stuff to just be over so I can get my, my, you know, sewing Mm, space back. Um, So I did figure out that what amazes me is kind of like the workarounds that we come up with as quilters. It's like, you know, if you give us a space, we'll figure out the best way to use it. And I feel like I've been able to do that because our house is kind of set up where it's almost like a loft type thing where you go up the stairs and then you can look down into the living room. Well, that's space has proven to be so useful. I use the banister like it's so funny. I'll put quilts over the top of them just to kind of hang them. I've used that for photos like to show. And so if you go to my Instagram, you'll see a lot of my quilts. I'll just hang over the banister and then you can it kind of shows them really fun and a nice way. Um, And then I also utilize that sometimes for pinning. Like I'll just hang it over the thing and like I know if Mm -hmm. I just have to pin one thing and it's pretty straight across. I've been able to use it for that. Um, You know, that type of thing. And then utilizing the space down on the ground um, when you look down into the living room um, and uh, just using that for pinning, but then also using that for photo opportunities too, Mm -hmm. where I can actually see the whole entire quilt. So it just, I think that's been kind of the fun part of all this in not having a lot of space is really like how I've been able to like, hmm, okay, I've got this much. What can I do with that? All right, I'm going to use this way and, Mm -hmm. and do that. And so it's been kind of a fun challenge to figure out how to utilize the little amount of space that I've got. Um, but I think, like I said before, I, if I was to look for a house now as a, a sewing, you know, a sewist and a quilter, I would totally look for a different space. It's so funny. And at the time, I just was like, oh, yeah, like we can have a kid and that's about it. And that's all we're going to need. And <laughs> so much has changed. <laughs> yes. So true. It's it's funny. It's it's very true how we just sort of figure it out. Right. Yep. Well, are you ready to get even more jealous, Ginger? Oh, God, yes. Oh, I know. Well, and I've worked, I've had the pleasure of working with Nancy. And actually, before we go on, I wanted to mention the fact that we do have one of Nancy's courses that's available. It's actually not going to start till November, but it's up there. It's Nancy Mahoney's Secrets to Quilting Success. And it's basically like um, a a bunch of different videos that Nancy had done um, at one time or whatever that we kind of made into one big six lesson 
online course. So it is up on there. We'll put a link in the show notes for that. And uh, after you guys hear this interview, you're definitely going to you're going to want to check that out. (laughs) Cool. Well, I think I want to take that class. So that's what I was just thinking. (laughs) Uh (laughs) All right. Well, let's go talk to Nancy. Today in our open studio segment, we have a very special guest. So Nancy Mahoney joins us. She is a quilt designer, an author, a teacher. Oh my gosh, it seems like you just do it all, Nancy. We are so excited to chat with you today. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it very much. Well, you know, it's funny because I've wanted to have you on the show probably since we started and... Uh, this season, um, we were trying to line up at least, you know, at least one episode of the podcast with what our quilting daily theme of the month is. And our September theme of the month is studios. And when I learned that that was the theme for the month, you were the first person who popped in my head. (laughs) Well, I've had a studio for a long time, so it's, I appreciate that. It's an important space for me. Uh, and and I feel like it is set up that way. Um, you actually, I did a designer profile on you in, in Quilt Maker, gosh, probably over a year ago, I, I would guess. And you sent in your photos and I, I'm pretty sure I sent them around to the team <laughs> because it was just so beautiful. Lori, do you remember that? I do. <laughs> I think I was, it's obvious that this is your, um, your business and that, or something that you take seriously enough to create a beautiful space. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in my studio, so I tried to do that. And um, I'm very fortunate that I have a lakefront home. And so my, um, doors, which are my windows, they're the only windows that are down here where my studio is, look out onto that lake. And so that that was, it's beautiful to look out onto it. And I try to make my space accordingly beautiful. So I I would I wasn't here when they had done that. And so I was madly looking up online and seeing it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you have so much space. <laughs> I think that that's to me is what's great. It's like I'm looking at this one image and it's like of your I can see your sewing machine, your long arm machine, you know, and the fact that they're in two different spaces and not all in one space. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So it definitely seems like having just available space really makes a big difference. <laughs> So, Nancy, can you tell our listeners approximate dimensions of your studio? Well, I can't really give you dimensions so much. My house is, like I mentioned, it's on a lake. It's on the lakeside. And when they built this house, it's a custom-built home. And so the upper floor is street level, and the lower level is walks out onto the lake. It opens out onto the lake. It's not actually lake level because we're on, a little bit on a hill. And so it's built into this hillside. So I have the whole lower level, which means I have a little over 2,000 square feet. It was set up to be like a separate apartment. It was when they built the house. You could use it as a separate apartment. And so there are two bedrooms uh, two big living spaces uh, that kind of are as an open space where they connect to each other, but there's still walls that divide them off. And, and of course, there's a bathroom down here. And there's a little bit of a kitchenette as well. So I have like a refrigerator and a microwave and a sink where I could 
if I wanted to wash. I, I wash my hands there, but I don't use it for much else than that. So I could really live in my studio space because of how much space I have. So because of that, I was able well, to and take... if you don't want to, I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to go upstairs and use the, you know, the stove. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was very... When we were looking for houses, it was one of the considerations is that I would have a big enough sewing space you know, and workspace. Uh, and so I took the what is the, was really a bedroom uh, and it became my fabric room. And the other bedroom, which is smaller, about half the size of my fabric room, is my what I call my quilt room. And it's where I store all my quilts. And I store my teaching supplies in there as well. So I have the biggest living area. I have my desk at one end. Uh, and I have a roll-top desk. I saw Lori's pictures on um, Facebook with her roll-top desk. And I have an old roll-top ah. desk that I put my laptop on. And then I have an old, what would be a library table. We used to see them in libraries with a couple drawers. Um, that's what my sewing machine sits on. Right. That, and so those two, I can turn around oh, and I nice. can oh, use that's that. that's a good as, idea. Yeah. And, and where my chair sits, I can turn around and I can use that table space when I need a little bit more space to spread out projects that I'm working on. Or usually if I'm right, you know, I'm doing editing or writing or something like that. That gives me space to spread out my papers more than anything. Um, and then I built an area for the, my ironing table. You know, I haven't had an ironing board in probably 25 years because I have an ironing table. So I took two Chester drawers that are 36 inches tall and then separated them and put a board on top of them and then covered that board with real thin batting and um, like canvas cloth. So I have this large space that's probably six feet long, maybe a little more than six feet long, and 25 or 26 inches wide. So when I do borders, I can lay out my whole quilt right there on that table, unless it gets to be like, you know, a big, big quilt. But most of the time I can lay out my borders and pin them right there um, on that table. Or when I'm pressing them, I have this big pressing surface to use. And then I have a separate area for cutting. And that was a, you know, I bought a kitchen island and refinished it myself and I can move it around my sewing space, but it, that's where my mat is. And it has um, a drawer that I can keep my rulers in. Of course, I have several drawers of rulers, but I keep some of them in that drawer. So it means I have like a work triangle space like you would have in your kitchen. So I have a cutting area and a pressing area and then my sewing area. I am betting that most of our listeners are just a bit envious. Oh, just drooling <laughs> a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nancy, I'm kind of curious, though, how how long did it take you? You know, when you, you say you looked for the space when you moved in, did you already kind of have these ideas or how long did it take you to really kind of figure out? Did you have to kind of set up the space and then are you constantly moving it or is it pretty much like you set it up the way you wanted it and it stayed that way? Well, I set up the way I wanted it, and it stayed that way. Um, and the idea for it when – so I'm nice. originally from Idaho, and then we lived in the Seattle area for 20 years. And in, in both of those locations, I'd have a bedroom that I would have my as my sewing space because I've sewn since I was in high school, really. I, you know, my back in the early 70s, I did tailoring and alterations. And that's really where I kind of started getting the ideas for how I wanted to – 
set up a sewing room because I worked in a room that was designed for sewing. And I would sew all day. Uh, Then when we moved to Florida, I had a little bit bigger bedroom. So I had was able then to set up separate zones to work in. And so when we moved into this house, then I knew that's how I was going to set it up. And, And it just worked out that, you know, I have a wall that I can put my ironing table against and I need and my cutting area can float around a little bit and I can push it against the wall if I want or I can pull it out against the wall and really when I go over to work on my I have a sit down long arm and when I'm working on that sometimes I move my cutting table over and push it up against behind that so the quilts don't fall off onto the floor making it you know easier when I'm doing my free motion quilting Um, because I'm moving the quilt I'm just doing it on a bigger machine so Nancy, I have a question. Okay. If a person were looking to start, you know, to create their own studio and they didn't have anything, maybe they are moving or maybe they're, you know, finally, you know, someone, uh, one of their kids is moving out and they've got a space. What is your best advice for setting up a quilt studio? You know, what what have you learned from all of your different spaces? Well, um, you know, I've never had, well, I shouldn't say never, because my very first sewing machine came in a cabinet. um, And that was one that I inherited from my parent or my mother. Um, But when I upgraded to a Bernina, I've never had a cabinet. It's never been in a cabinet since then. So you need a good, sturdy table or cabinet for your sewing machine. And Mm -hmm. besides that, like I said, I I haven't had used an ironing board in years. I mean, really, truly, probably 30 years I haven't used an ironing board because in the alterations department, we had a table. And I learned at that point that it was much easier to have a table because particularly with quilting, you have a much better space for your pressing than if you try and do it on an ironing board, which is sometimes not very stable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes ironing boards are kind of wobbly and so with a nice sturdy table you know I can do anything I can really it makes putting borders on so much easier you just can't imagine how much easier it is to put your borders on when you have a a flat surface that's the same width all the way across Uh, and when I had a smaller room I used part of it for my cutting or I put my cutting mat on it and cut on one end and press on the other end Um, now I'm fortunate I can just separate those two spaces and so I don't have to move a board. Well, and it looks like lighting plays a pretty key part of it. It does. Yeah. Lighting is important. You have to have good lighting. And I bought like grid work things so that I could hang my tools so that my tools would be handy. And I have two of them. So I have one on my ironing area and per pressing table and one where I cut so that I can have my rotary cutter and my my rulers that I use all the time, you know, readily available. I don't have to search through a drawer. The drawers contain the ones I don't use very often. Um, But all of the ones I use all the time, I have them right where at my fingertips. So I'm curious. um... You seem to me like you are completely prolific, but that might just be because you submit quilts for, you know, our magazines all the time. How many quilts do you think you make a year? Well, now I'm at the point of making about 10 or 12 a year. Um, There have been times when I've made 
a lot more than that. A lot more. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, You know, and I also, now that I'm thinking about it, I think, you know, I have a lot of friends who are quilt designers and some of them submit magazine to magazines and some do not. And I honestly am so thrilled that you submit to our publications because your quilts are just stunning. You have a great following of people who love your designs and I'm just curious, you know, why is there a reason you started submitting to magazines? If you could think back like to when you started and has it helped your career to submit? Well, um, certainly having my quilts in magazines have um, gotten my name out there and and I've become more recognizable because of that. And the interesting thing is when I travel to guilds, of course, we're not doing that now, but, you know, in the times when I do travel to guilds and I'm standing up for my to do my yes. lecture and, and they're doing the introductions, they very rarely mention how many books I've authored, but they always say you've probably seen her quilts in magazines. So that really gives you really? an idea of how, yes, how recognizable. Cool? That's very cool. I think that's very cool. And how I got started is um, a different story. But, you know, I, when I was in Seattle, the last 10 years I lived in Seattle, I worked for Clothworks. And I would go to Quilt Market and I would help set up the booth and I would work in the booth and I would show the fabric designs to the shops and sometimes to magazine editors, depend on which one of us were available. Um, would be doing that. And there was one time, and I just remember it so distinctively, that um, Liz Porter walked by the booth and turned around. And she said, I want that quilt for the magazine. And it was one of my quilts. And it was one of the first wow. quilts that was published in a magazine. And that's probably did it for me more than anything else. Um, I've had some other quilts in magazines prior to that, but it was just kind of happenstance that they had seen them in, you know, in a booth at Quilt Market. And and sometimes I've had them picked up and didn't even know they were going to be picked up. Um, but that, you know, Liz really wanting my quilt and saying, I want that quilt. And so that's how I got started doing it. And, you know, and, and working with Clockworks and having, um, the editors come and sit down and look at the fabrics and they would say, can you make us a quilt out of this fabric collection? And so I would do that. And then later I worked with PMB Textiles designing fabric for them. And I would sit with the marketing director every time she had an appointment with a magazine editor. And they would say, we want a collection from, we want quilts from this collection and this collection and this collection. And I just make notes and I'd go home and I'd design a quilt. And I'd send it off to them. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it was published. So that's really how I got into doing it on such a regular basis. And, you know, that's amazing to me. I think um, that must have really been thrilling to have Liz do that. And um, and you know that's that's Lori's main gig, right, Lori? Yes, exactly. <laughs> She's got like the best job of all of us. <laughs> sure, you know. But it is my favorite part of going to market is seeing all of the fabric collections that are coming out. It's very exciting and spotting 
those quilts that you hope, you know, that no one's really seen before. And it's exciting. Right, Lori? It really is. It really (laughs) is. Well, and I think the thing I grapple with, you know, being relatively new is seeing all these beautiful fabrics and then trying to figure out, okay, I love that fabric. How do I find a pattern specifically for that? I think that's a skill that it sounds like, Nancy, you have nailed excellently. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, I've designed, it's interesting because when I started quilting, you know, you didn't want to use two fabrics that were the same pattern in a quilt. I mean, you know, you didn't want to use two fabrics mm-hmm. from not necessarily the same collection, but not the same design in the quilt. You just didn't do that. And then when I started working for with the fabric companies and designing patterns for them, as well as using their collections to design quilts for the magazines, I had to work within a collection and be able to to design from that specific collection. And so I had to look at it differently. I had to look at how can I showcase this fabric? What kind of design can I create that will showcase this fabric? Where before that, it was the flip side. It was always, how am I going to showcase the design, the quilt design, not the fabric design? And so you play those two against each mm-hmm. other. And now I'm a little bit back to where I was in the beginning. I'm, I'm working much more like I did originally, um, looking for the design first and then finding the fabrics to fit into it. And I'm working more scraps with scraps again, which I really love. I love working with scraps. Yeah, I was going to say, whenever I work with you, you're you're usually pretty set on what your quilt is going to look like and what fabrics are, you're using. And it's usually scraps, I would say. It's pretty rare, I think, it, over the past, gosh, how long have I been here? Two and a half years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I probably have you in at least one of my publications every every round, right? Um and it it's always amazing to me because you usually have such a strong sense of of what the design is going to be. It, I don't know if that just means that you've already started the quilt or not, though. No, <laughs> no. I you know I use electric quilt, and that is really the beauty <laughs> of electric quilt is that I can. It, sometimes not so much with scraps, so I know specifically which fabric I'm going to use, but I certainly know which color ranges I'm going to use. Um, if I'm going to limit my fabric choices, um, there was one that was just in the quick and easy ones that was um, using kind mm-hmm. of aqua tones, and I used those fabrics to de- yeah. that design, and I knew exactly which fabrics I was going to put where mm-hmm. based on electric quilt, and I hadn't started the quilt, cut out a piece of fabric. Saves me a lot of time. Amazing. Yeah. And I know, Nancy, I've had the pleasure of working with you. You've done a couple of electric quilt um, videos for us. So we've talked about your design talents, but your teaching talents are outstanding as well. Um, You know, I I, I think um, your ability to really kind of, uh, you know, take it down to a level that I think makes everything so understandable. It's awesome. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, it's fun. I I enjoy teaching. I enjoy teaching um, electric quilt or beginning quilters or, you know, when people have that aha moment when they go, oh, I get it. You know, that's what's rewarding for a teacher. It's fun to see their eyes light up, isn't it? It is. It is. And you open a new world for them. Because I've been quilting for so long, sometimes it's I forget that there are people who have only been quilting for a few months or who have never sewn on a sewing machine before. Mm -hmm. And so you. 
you have to remember that and, and keep that in mind. And Nancy, I think when I first time I had worked with you, that was the scenario. I think I had just started. I had never really worked on a sewing machine. I had really no idea going into this. We were doing this uh, EQ course. And I was like, what the heck is EQ? What is this? Is that? And the knowledge that I had just from working with you for that couple of days, it has stuck with me. It really has. So great. Well, that's wonderful. Nancy, of all the things that you do, what is your favorite? You know, I, I'm often asked that question, and I think it's really designing quilts. I just really like to design quilts. Um, sometimes in the sewing process, I get a little anxious to get on to the next thing. But when I'm designing, I don't know, I just kind of get lost in it. It's, you know, you can try so many things and you can say, well, what if I try this or what if I do that or what if I, I try this? Uh, and if you don't like it, you can just change it, you know. And so to me, it's always been creating my own designs and seeing where I can go with them. What kind of designs, what kind of secondary designs you can create from one block or two blocks or putting different fabrics together. That, that part just always has fascinated me. If you, when you design something in EQ and you, you, you know, or decide you're going to make it, do you ever change it after that? Does it ever, like, do you ever start playing with the fabric and decide you're going to change it? Or by the time you've designed it in EQ, are you sort of done? I'm sort of done. I sort of worked out all the bugs the way I wanted. Um, there was one quilt that I did. Um, several years ago, and I was approached by the editor for um, then Fonza, who was editing Fonz and Porter at the time, and they had a um, set of templates that were charm templates that were never meant to go together. And they wanted me to do a quilt using those charm templates. So I had like um, a hexagon and a half hexagon and an equilateral triangle and a diamond and you know all of these these I think there were seven different shapes and they wanted them to put together in one quilt and I could not design that on electric quilt because those are those type of shapes you can't really change the sizes within electric quilt and it's just the way it functioned mm -hmm. is it doesn't allow you to combine all those into one quilt so that one I had to I had to design as I go you know it had to be like I make it up as I go kind of thing. <laughs> and I did a medallion style of quilt um, where I would do one shape in the middle and then a plain border and then the next shape and a border and then a plain border and then the next shape. And it was the only way I could kind of get my head wrapped around it to, to put them all together into one quilt. Do you have a picture of that you could share with us? Um, that was Rainbow Mosaics. And we've taped a, a PBS episode uh, for that quilt and it was in love of quilting um i don't know which episode which uh, issue right off the bat but um yeah i bet we can find it i oh, bet yeah. you can I bet. <laughs> so nancy i'm kind of curious i'm, I'm kind of curious after so many years of quilting you know what are the things that still challenge you do you still have things that challenge you or does everything just come so easy to you <laughs> well I suppose, you know, I, I know most techniques. Um, so I've done applique, I've done hand applique, I've done, I've done probably just about everything. The, the one thing that still challenges me now and again is the quilting. 
and to, to challenge myself to dry, try mm-hmm. different quilting motifs, free motion motifs. And when I started free motion quilting, um, I used a lot of stencils and I would mark the quilts and then I would quilt on the line. You know, I would, and then that's very easy. That's a good way to learn how to free motion quilt. Uh, and now I try and do as little marking as possible and to be able to just really do it without, I, I know what I'm going to put in an area and I might kind of trace a little bit with my finger so that I can get the feel for it and then just go for it and just do it. And that's that's the real challenge for me now. There's so much with your tension being correct top and bottom and, you know, and your stitches even and the design to come out. So it's not all wobbly and smooth lines. And so that's a challenge still for me. And I enjoy it. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy doing my own quilting now, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why I'm doing fewer quilts a year. It's because I'm really doing all of the whole thing. Nice. That was a really good question, Ginger. I like that a lot because I think I think I know I get a little intimidated sometimes, especially when I see her quilts come in and they're so amazing. But I've been doing it a long time. You know, you have to. That's one thing people, other quilters need to remember. I have 35 years of experience of doing these things and trying different techniques and and seeing different ways people do them and picking the ones I like and discarding the ones I don't like. That don't work for me. It's not that I don't like them. It's just that I, you know, there's, there. in one of my classes, I tell people 12 different ways to make half square triangle units. And some of them I like and some of them I don't. And you pick what works for you. I'm still, I still like sewing triangles together. Other people don't like to do that. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like drawing lines. I think it's a good thing to, to find something you're good at and go for it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, there isn't any one right you know, there's many different te- ways to accomplish the end. To get to the end, you find the way that works for you. Because as long as you get to the same place, it doesn't matter how you got there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, Nancy, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, we have hit the end of our time, and I am kind of sad because this went by too quickly. It did. Well, the pleasure's mine. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm just glad that we finally were able to to get you on the show because, like I said, I've been wanting to have you for quite a while. Um, it, it's just been so great. So thanks again for joining us. You're very welcome. For our Fine Finishes segment today, we're going to talk about our dream studios. Money is no object. Space is no object. We get to just imagine whatever we want. I have some ideas. How about you? Uh, Just a few. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Especially if money is no object. I know. I didn't know that was like one of the things, but I'm like, oh, yeah, if we're going to dream, let's dream big. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So who wants to go first? All right. I'm thinking since Lori has the biggest space, I want to know what else she wants. Let's, uh, I want to hear how greedy Lori yes. can get. <laughs> okay. okay. One of the things in my dream studio is that the electricity is going to be, I'm going to be able to p- plug in my long, long arm up in the ceiling. 
instead of having the cords on the floor where I have to be careful because if you stand on the cord when you're trying to move the machine, it doesn't work very well. Ask me why I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Not the hard way, huh? Gosh, that's something I never even knew. That's a great idea. And another thing, we did this in one of the studios I had previously. I had one dedicated outlet that went off when I shut off the lights in the studio. And that's where I plugged in my iron. So when I left the room and shut off the light, no matter whether I had turned off the iron and unplugged it or not, the iron was off. Oh, but then it's nice when you come in, then it pops on and then, oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. We're taking notes, right, Ginger? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, keep going, keep going. And then the other thing is just just that thing that I said when I was talking about my studio is you always need a little bit more room. I'd really love another foot or two of width. Mm-hmm. Just a foot or two? Yeah, really. Well, oh, I forgot. It's not a money thing. That's no, right. it's not a yeah. money or a space thing. So yeah. it could be as big as I you could want. D- definitely do with more room. One of the things we talked about, though, when we bought the house was I don't want to have to spend my time cleaning my house and cleaning oh, my sewing mm-hmm. room. Nice. I want to be able to sew. Right. Nice. So, so you're going to have like just a dream sewing cleaning crew that's going to be part of this as well. I love it. I love it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. All right. How about you, Tracy? Because I know you've had uh, bigger studios in the past, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, w- what would be your ideal scenario? Well, all right. There's a couple of things that I've had in the past that I miss. So Um, My husband found this really big table that was probably at least six feet long by three feet wide, and there were shelves underneath, and it was from a store in a mall that went out of business, and so it had been just a table where they, I guess they put, you know, sweaters or whatever with some storage underneath for different sizes of clothing. I loved that table. It was like my favorite table and I put books on one side and then on the other side it had it had some storage bins and, you know, some of those craft supplies that I, I don't use all the time but need handy, like, you know, a glue gun and things like that. And it was an amazing table and it pretty much took up one of the spaces that I was in. But I had my sewing machine on it. I had a cutting table on it. I had a mat to iron on it. And so it was really just big enough for everything and I loved it. Um, And when we moved here, I had to get rid of it and it actually broke my heart. And then the person who was going to buy it from us showed up and she had a nerdy sewing shirt on. (gasps) And so it made me feel so much better. (laughs) It went to a good home. It went to a good home. So I would have a table like that again because I just loved it. Um, It was perfect height for cutting for me and it was on wheels so I could move it around. Um, So I would have that table again. If I could uh, that's possibly like leaving a kid behind it. or something. I know. Yeah. It was terrible. I still miss it to this day. Um, uh, the other thing I would have is a, a, an embroidery machine. Like I want a top of the line sewing machine. Um, I When I was a Bernina ambassador, I actually had a, um, a Bernina 790 and I... Loved it. And um, but, you know, after you're after a short period of time, like you have to give it back. 
and it kind of made me sad. Yes. And um, and so I I would like to have an embroidery machine again. Um, and then I think you know, good light. Mm. Uh, I, I'm going to piggyback on what Lori said about the electrical outlets and do all that because, you know, I'd like a long arm too, (laughs) but, um, I would like to have, uh, at least two different circuits in the room so that, you know, I'm not in danger of blowing fuses as well. And then of course, you know, a design wall and good storage for my, my fabric so that I can see it. And it's not, you know, in... In, in danger of being in too much outdoor light. Well, and I thought of one other thing that I forgot. What? And oh, that up? is I want to be able to have my serger and my embroidery machine and a sewing machine all set up all the time yes. instead of having oh, to move them yeah, back. Take them yes. down. Yeah. And yeah. maybe threaded with different color thread. There you, you know, go. Like, you know? Like, uh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ginger, your Well, and turn. that was the nice thing. Yeah. Well, that was the nice <laughs> thing. When you looked at Nancy's setup, it was just so wonderful because she did. It was like everything was in its place. She had like, you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I think I even asked her, you know, it's like, okay, did you have to like figure out the best method? And she was like, oh, no, no, no. I knew exactly where I wanted it, mm-hmm. when I wanted it, you know. And, and yep. you know, the fact that uh, to not have to put up an ironing board for 30 some years, that's insane. Yeah. Like, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. Yes. It is. It's, it's really great. Um, you know, for me, I want everything you guys want and more. No, um, at, at this point, you know, I think the biggest thing for me, it's so funny after working in such a small space is I just want space. Like I would just love to have an open area where I could, you know, figure out exactly where I want to put everything. So it is like kind of within my reach or put away or, um, you know, just being able to do that, I think would be amazing. I love the idea of having really high ceilings, you know, so I can, if I have a design board, I can put the whole entire quilt up and, and, you know, play with it and, and do everything. And then, um, you know, having that large table, Tracy, I think that that is huge. Mm -hmm. It's like having that workspace and not having to move the quilt a million times, you know, when I'm trying to pin stuff or when I'm trying, you know, as it comes together, I think that's the hard part. It's like when you're first starting out and piecing, you know, it's not so bad, but then all of a sudden it's just like you have this big thing with you and, you know, being able to just lay that out and have it all out without having it bunched up in a corner somewhere and then you're working in one little section like that to me so I feel like it all comes down to space like I would just love like a big warehouse where I could just go (laughs) in and you know boom there it is I can have anything you know anything and everything in my my side I would love that (laughs) oh oh, I've got another thing a door so you could shut the door and just leave (sighs) everything yes Okay, well, and if we're going to go there, then I want a big, gigantic, you know, movie theater style TV that I can just watch everything while you're you're quilting. There we go. We're going to dream really big. (laughs) I love it. Full movie on, uh, full on movie theater, you know. Yes. (laughs) That's it. That's what I need is I need a big old movie theater. You know, nobody's using them now. So it's like, let's just (laughs) take out all those chairs. Let's put in all our quilting stuff and we're set. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Oh, so, all right. Well, this was fun. This was <laughs> lots of fun. But now I feel sad because I don't have that space. <laughs> but, but maybe someday. Maybe someday. Someday. <laughs> someday. Well, thanks, ladies. I love talking to you guys. Yes. It always is nice, cheers isn't me it? up. <laughs> yes. It makes me want to go home and sew. Yep. That too. 
<laughs> we'll talk to you next time. All right. All right. Bye-bye Sounds now. Good. Thanks so much for listening to Quilt and Tell. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today in our show description. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. The Quilt and Tell podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.